0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is the one and only Wes Hodkiewicz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, it is Friday, our final show of the week before we take off for Big D tomorrow. And as we finish up the week, like always, we'll talk keys to victory. So... I think I have a pretty good idea where you wanna start with this one.
1: Yeah, J.R. Ewing. I'm gonna have the cowboy hat on, I have the suit ready already, I'm gonna go out there, I'm gonna set the tone for everybody. And that's gonna be the biggest key to victory of all. Uh no, I mean it, it obviously is Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. And the reason I say this, we, we you know, every single week we do our keys to victory, but you want any reason for why the New Orleans Saints were able to come out victorious in that game (laughs) against the Dallas Cowboys, that was the key to victory. The fact that Zeke Elliott didn't get going, the fact that they were not able to establish a ground game, and they were able to win a low-scoring contest. I don't know. I don't see that scenario playing out again. I think the the over is going to be more than 22 points in this game. I think the Packers are going to have
0: to score a couple of touchdowns. I don't think you're going to be able to beat the Cowboys – on the road, no matter what you do against Elliott, by only kicking field goals.
1: Right. So, but that was the, the starting point for the Saints. Yeah, no and question. I think there's a lot of things. You know, Mike Pettin's been asked about it. The Packers' defensive tackles have been asked about it. The linebackers, everybody really on the defense has been, you know, really been trying to put a finger on what's going on with the run defense and what they need to do. But as we've talked about a number of times, Mike, for the Saints, it wasn't that they just sold out and they were doing five man defensive jumbo fronts or anything like that. They just executed their system well. They had guys fill gaps, and they just didn't allow those holes to open up that Elliott can burn you with. The Packers it's gonna be very difficult to hold them to eighteen carries for thirty-five yards again in a fumble. But if you can contain that quiet storm that that Elliott presents, that's going to be your key to victory in this one.
0: It's so interesting how this matchup sets up in that respect as far as the Packers run defense against Elliott, because Elliott weeks two and three was well over 100 yards in both of those games, high yards per carry, all that, really productive. Then suddenly, week four, he gets completely shut down right. by the Saints. You look at the Packers' run defense, only 46 yards rushing by the Chicago Bears in week one. Looked like the Packers were off to a great start in that area. Then Dalvin Cook breaks the 75-yarder in Week 2. You kind of go, uh-oh, a little bit. And then Weeks 3 and 4, the Denver Broncos and the Philadelphia Eagles didn't have any of those big, monster, explosive runs, but they just kept pounding away on the ground against the Packers' defensive front, and they were having success doing it. So it's as though Ezekiel Elliott and the Packers' run defense are both coming into this game knowing what they can do, right. but yet feeling like they have something to prove.
1: Yeah, mortal. I mean, the fact that it's just, and, and that's the realization you have to have with this league. You're just not going to dominate every single week. The guys who do are the ones that are the MVP candidates that, you know, they have that season where they're just impenetrable. Yeah. Uh, that That's just is so rare to accomplish that, though, and the best and the most elite all pros of the league don't always just play 16 straight clean games. The big challenge here, I think, though, for Dallas is seeing what this offensive line is going to look like. Now, certainly Travis Frederick, Zach Martin, two of the best that do it in the game in the interior line. But if you don't have Teron Smith, in depending on exactly how this all works out with Lowell Collins, that's a big change. Yeah. Um, because as good as Elliott is, and he's exceptional, I, he could probably still pick up 100 yards with Wes Hodkowitz blocking for him at left guard. <laughs> but here's the thing that's impressive about it is that they've been able to marry for so many years, even going back to the DeMarco Murray era, marry their offensive line and that being a strength of their entire team with having a good every-down back. If you throw a few little wrenches into the equation like that with those questions at tackle, that's you know, a potential area where the Packers could capitalize.
0: Yeah, the reports that have been out from Dallas are that Teron Smith, the all-pro left tackle, is going to miss this game. Lyle Collins at right tackle even though he hasn't practiced Wednesday or Thursday leading into the game reports are that he is still going to play but again you know these are these are the kinds of things that you don't really necessarily know for sure until game day and until that inactive list is officially turned in but I'm with you I'm really curious to see depending on you know how this works out with the pa- the, the Cowboys excuse me and their offensive tackles what that does to uh to their offense and potentially their game plan. I mean, the reports out of Dallas also that uh, Amari Cooper, their number one wide receiver, going to play but not necessarily at 100%. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, dealing with I think it's an ankle injury if I'm not I believe mistaken you're right. with uh, with what's up, on the injury report. So there's a lot of uh a, a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, it was ankle yeah ankle okay so there there's there is a lot of uncertainty with with what's going on with some of the uh, the big name players in this game not only for the Packers but for the Cowboys as well
1: yeah I mean the Cowboys one thing we probably haven't talked enough about this week is that the Cowboys injury report is pretty extensive as well because even with you know Michael Gallup potentially being back you mentioned the issues that Amari Cooper's playing with now again Cooper was a full participant on Thursday but These are the type of injuries, Mike, that when you get those lower body extremity, that's going to affect you. It's going to affect your routes. It's going to affect how you cut it in your routes. Or
0: it doesn't take much to re-aggravate something. That's That's the other thing, too.
1: And the thing about Gallup is, looking at him in particular for the Cowboys, they don't really have, I think, another guy that sort of does what he does in that offense. So... The tight end position, you know Jason Witten's going to be there, but Jason Witten isn't Jason Witten from seven years ago. So you need those young guns to sort of carry you and and to be able to marry the pass game with what Zeke Elliott does. Those are all things that we're going to have to answer. But more than anything else, Mike, seeing how Dak Prescott can handle this whole situation, uh, off to a great start to his season. Certainly I know the contract questions have been out there for him. But, you know, if the Packers do you know, sell out to, you know, put an extra guy in the box, put another inside linebacker on the field. If they do all those things to attack Zeke Elliott, well, then how is Prescott going to handle those things as well? All the different factors that you got to take into account in a game like this.
0: Yeah, well, on the other side of the ball for the Packers, keys to victory. On the offensive side, I'm not sure what you think, Wes, but to me, it all starts with Aaron Jones. And I say that for a few different reasons. Yes, the Packers, they didn't run the ball very well against Philadelphia, but they put up all kinds of yards, 422 passing yards, almost 500 total yards in the game. You know, Yes, they missed on you know some red zone opportunities. Matt LaFleur made the comment the other day that if you can run the ball in the red zone, you usually end up being more efficient down there in terms of scoring points. That's something the Packers need to do. But in a more general sense... At the time we're taping this we don't have a final word on Devonte adams or jamal williams and their injury status for this game but i think a lot of this offensively for the packers is going to come down to aaron jones because if you don't have Devonte adams you're losing that number one guy your pro bowl pro bowl receiver and i've said this in insider inbox i said it on our final thoughts video you need to be able to get a play action game going and yeah. The way to get a play-action game going, obviously, is to run the ball effectively, but the reason play-action is so important, at least in my mind, and this is not to disparage Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Geronimo Allison, Jake Kumaro, any of those guys, but the facts are none of those guys are pro bowlers. They aren't at Devontae Adams' level. And to me, play-action passing is your equal opportunity passing game. If it's working... It doesn't really matter who the receiver is. You don't need a pro bowler to get open in a play-action game. If your play-action game is effective... The running game is effective to set that up. Any receiver, any tight end can get open in that scenario when everything is working together, and that's why I think this game starts. If Devontae Adams cannot play, I think this game starts with Aaron Jones. Yeah, and,
1: and to be honest with you, Mike, even if Devontae Adams does go, I think Aaron Jones is going to be the, the primary objective with the Packers because he is your biggest playmaker, your biggest healthy playmaker that's available to you. And the other thing about Aaron Jones, too, and he's not going to say this, but you know, I, I know I'm, the way that he's wired... You know he's very polite, he's very nice, but he's also incredibly competitive. In the last two weeks, it's been difficult for him trying to get going on the ground. Yeah, it's been tough. He wants to be able to be in every down back. I think we saw in that those matchups earlier this month. I mean the the game against Chicago. I mean, he's a guy that feels like he can carry the ball and be effective when he's given the opportunity and can can handle that three down, go out there and get him kind of roll. But the other aspect to this that I look at when you say your key to victory for the Packers it's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, We don't know what Devontae Adams' status is going to be. We don't know what he's going to be like if he does play. We don't know what Brian Bulaga is going to be dealing with if he's out there with the shoulder. Aaron Rodgers is the two-time MVP. He's the guy that has a sterling track record inside AT&T Stadium and knows Rod Marinelli's defense probably as well as any (laughs) quarterback in the NFL with how much he's seen it. Sure. Aaron Rodgers needs to be spectacular. It's a road game. It's a 3-1 ball club. You need him to be at his absolute best. Because last week, Mike... They weren't able to get the running game going for most of the game. Yep. He didn't have Devontae Adams at the end of the game, but he spread the ball around. They moved the ball effectively, 422 passing yards, and they he put that team, while they did not come out with the win, he put them in a position to win that football game. They need another performance again like that against a Dallas Cowboys defense that honestly I would say is even a, a step up from what they saw against the Philadelphia Eagles.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned – Obviously, the track record of success Aaron Rodgers has at AT and T Stadium—he's put up some phenomenal numbers there. Had some great dramatic moments. We talked about some of those on yesterday's show. Aaron Jones, the 2017 yep, game correct. in Dallas, his rookie year—that was kind of his coming out party, so to speak, to to use an overused phrase. But the pa- you know Packers, Packers fans didn't necessarily know exactly what they had in Aaron Jones, and then that game in Dallas in October of that year. He went over 100 yards. He made a couple of key plays on the final drive to uh, to get the Packers in position for the winning touchdown. He really was the star of the game offensively for Green Bay there. And, uh, and you know, he's from Texas. You yeah. know, the Texas El Paso is where he went to college and everything. He feels at home when he plays there. So, you know, uh, you know his his eyes are going to be bright. He's going to be really excited for this one.
1: Story time with Wes Hodkowitz here. Okay. I don't know if you recall this, Mike, but in 2017, the regular season opener aaron jones was a healthy scratch right Devontae mays was the third running back behind ty montgomery and jamal williams there was a real question this is one of the reasons why i wrote the dexter williams story this week there was a real question about whether or not jones could be an every down guy or if he was just the guy you'd be able to run the ball with and at that time i thought that game against dallas showed that this guy was more he was a complete running back and he had what it takes to actually round out his game to be featured in that role sure this is the season I think everybody's expecting Aaron Jones to really blossom because he has the experience in his back pocket. He's only 24. He's athletic as heck. In a game like this, if you can get going again on the road against the Dallas Cowboys, what a statement that would be, especially when you don't have that, that check, that counter that you typically have in your back pocket with Jamal Williams. Another guy, too, Danny Vitale, is going to be interesting to watch in this game. I was talking to John Kuhn about him yesterday, and this game definitely seems tailored because even if it is Dexter Williams or whoever the backup's going to be if Jamal Williams doesn't go, Danny Vitale is the most experienced guy in that room right now in terms of NFL years. He got his first carry last week. Would not surprise me if you see him get a couple more and also being able to integrate the passing game, three catches over the last two games. That's another aspect to this that if you can put those plays out there – they're going to have to account for.
0: Yeah, well, one thing that has definitely been a trademark, I guess, if you want to say, of these recent Packers-Cowboys games at AT AT&T Stadium, there have been major momentum shifts. Teams either team can get on a run. You look at the 2016 playoff game down there. The Packers jumped out, you know, built the big lead yeah. and then it was the Cowboys coming back from two touchdowns down in the fourth quarter. The regular season game in 17 almost the reverse in the sense. The Cowboys were the ones who were in the lead. The Packers were coming from behind in the fourth quarter and end up scoring the the winning touchdown at the end. There's something to these games where you you have to be able to handle The momentum shifts and just always know, hey, it's a four-quarter game. It's a 60-minute game. Something goes wrong. And the crowd for Dallas starts going crazy and whatever. You just have to weather it. You've got to weather the storm. You limit the damage and you live to, you know, to play another play. The Packers have done that really well in this stadium, and I think they're gonna to have to do it again because these these games just uh these games can swing wildly back and forth for some reason when these two teams get together. Yeah,
1: very much so, especially in that particular stadium. It's very interesting though too because while well, there are a couple veterans on the team that have good memories of coming up here and to Green Bay and playing the party spoiler a few seasons ago. There are. We talked about the Packers and, and their experience down there. There's a lot of guys on Dallas's roster still that have very bitter aftertaste from some of those games. The 16 game was interesting because I still feel like even though the Dallas did score late, that was the most complete performance they've had. The Packers they did. Yeah. Just being able to get off to the fast start, they really didn't leave any doubt. They were, they were flying high after that win against the Giants, and they made a statement in that first half. Those other two games, Mike, if you really boil it down, the Packers probably had no business winning either of them <laughs> at halftime. It, honestly, I mean, 26-3, yeah. you had Matt Flynn in there. That, that shouldn't happen.
0: Yeah, everybody thought that game was and, over.
1: you know, Eddie Lacy was dealing with some ankle issues that, you know, I think people didn't really understand what he was playing through. And they still did it. They willed themselves to those victories. That's the part of it that, I, if I'm the Packers, that I want to be leery of going into this. you you got to start fast. You do not want to be in that position again, because there's going to be a handful of really significant players on that Dallas defense that, if they get a lead, they're not going to want to give it back. They're going to want to make sure that they stay up on themselves for 60 minutes and be able to come up with a much needed victory after kind of a reality check in New Orleans.
0: Yeah, well, what we uh, also like to do before we wrap up for the week is take a look at what else is going on in the NFL in i I'm going to jump over you. Thursday Night Football?
1: I want, I got to talk about this. Holy I have cow. to talk about yeah.
0: this. What a game. It happened
1: to Clay Matthews again. It actually happened to Clay Matthews again. How does this happen? <laughs> I mean, it's it just, I don't mean to jump over it, but like I'm That's watching okay. this game, right? I'm, I'm laying down on my couch, and eating some popcorn and just kind of checking this thing out. I, I just don't get it. Like Maybe it's Russell Wilson and if it would have been Andy Dalton, no one would have cared. But like the fact that Matthews again makes a football play he didn't lead with his helmet he didn't hit him with his helmet he throws his shoulder into him and they throw the flag clay matthews dude like when this thing's all said and done he's gonna be like the poster child for like the real sensitive quarterback era of the nfl (laughs) and it all started because of some play that happened to be committed against aaron Rodgers. yeah the rest of the game was great it was very entertaining
0: I, uh, I have to admit I missed the game. I only watched the highlights. I did not see the highlight of the Clay Matthews play. so now you're gonna have me going back and searching to you have to, two kids to look right at it Oh yeah your,
1: your kid ever like fall off the the like uh, swing or like accidentally run into a door or something like that. Did you take the door down? I mean like it's just it's incredible to me that it's like it, to, to reiterate the play and for people who didn't see it, I mean Wilson is out of the pocket. There are certain protections that are there or not there when you're out of the pocket. Throws the pass. Does Matthews, should Matthews have held up? Sure. But he threw his shoulder into him, and on the very next play, Matthews seemed to indicate, yeah, you did some nice acting on that to be able to actually draw that flag out of it. Well, Wilson's
0: and, been doing that his whole career. We and know that.
1: They were able to continue to the drive from there. They end up pulling off, I guess you could call it a comeback. It was a back-and-forth game, but that was the the game-deciding drive and, unfortunately, again, affected by what I felt like and I think Twitter felt like was a very unnecessary penalty.
0: Yeah, well, they're... That game circumstance wise very similar to Packers Cowboys because that was two three and one teams. And now the Seattle Seahawks. Now that's a division game, so it has even bigger implications as far as the NFC West is concerned. But now the Seattle Seahawks four and one, the defending NFC champion, Los Angeles Rams at three and two. And they're on a two-game losing streak yeah. because uh, they gave up a whole bunch of points to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a week ago so tough yeah so tough game the uh, three so and0 start for the Rams kind of been undone a little bit and that's exactly what the Packers and Cowboys are hoping to avoid is to not feel like your three and0 jump out of the gate great start gets uh completely turned around on you in two weeks.
1: Yeah, it's incredible how that stuff happens. Russell Wilson is off to an MVP type season right now. He's been exceptional. Uh that penalty notwithstanding, it was really difficult. That touchdown to to... pass
0: early in the game, the highlight I saw, the one Tyler Lockett caught yeah. in the back corner. I mean are you it's a kidding scramble me? Drill play are too. you kidding me? That was that was phenomenal. Yeah,
1: and to be honest, to be fair to Jared Goff, he made a couple great throws in this game too. Him and Cooper Cup, they're on a different level right now. But yeah. unfortunately they lost Brandon Cooks midway through And they just weren't able to make the play when they needed to late. And Russell Wilson, man, when you go into that stadium, you have to be able to play – 110%. You have to make sure everything goes correct for you, and it didn't quite work out for them.
0: Well, in the NFC North in week five, the games to take a look at really intriguing one going on out in the Meadowlands, as they say, East Rutherford, New Jersey. The Minnesota Vikings taking their show on the road to the New York Giants. Now, there are all these questions as to whether Saquon Barkley is going to be able to play or not for the Giants with his, I believe it's an ankle injury. And the Minnesota Vikings are at two and two. They've looked like world beaters at home. They've looked extremely mortal on the road. And they're going on the road now for a second straight week. And all kinds of questions going on with Kirk Cousins and where he's at and Stephon Diggs and him raising all kinds of questions about how much he even wants to be there and be part of this offense and how much it's focused on Dalvin Cook and everything. And the Giants have... Turned around a slow start yeah. by uh, by turning things over to their rookie first round draft pick at quarterback in Daniel Jones. This is a really intriguing Week Five game to in my mind between a couple of two and two teams.
1: Intriguing on a number of levels. First and foremost, Daniel Jones has just injected just enough of. Just enough chaos into that offense that, you know, you it's a different dimension than what they had with Eli Manning. And, and with all due respect to Eli, he's had a remarkable career. It was pretty boilerplate near the end in terms of what you were getting and what you needed to scheme for. Jones turns all of that on its head right now. And also credit to Wayne Gellman. I mean... So much is based on Barkley, but Gellman came in and did a lot of the same things they asked Barkley to do. Now, he's not as explosive, but he can catch the ball, and he was effective enough with the run, had a nice little performance. We'll have to see how things shake out with his neck. The biggest storyline, though, of this matchup is Kirk Cousins needs to get going against this New York Giants defense. Okay, Giants right now, I mean, Daniel Jones is scoring a lot of points. They're doing a lot of nice things offensively. Their defense has been a sieve at this point. Yeah, If... Kirk Cousins in this offense can't get going against the Giants. That's going to be a major red flag for Minnesota going forward.
0: Yeah. All right. And the Chicago Bears who are tied with the Packers at 3 and 1 at the moment. They are on the road in London. Yeah. Against the Oakland Raiders. The Bears have still having some some injury issues. You know, you don't know for sure what's going on with quarterback and Akeem Hicks on their defensive line dealing with some stuff. And then there's all whatever's been going on with Roquan Smith yeah. and, and his personal issues. But the Bears heading to London to play a, a Raiders team that's, uh, that's found some life recently as well. Another really interesting matchup. I always feel like you never really know what's going to happen in London and these teams dealing with the travel and everything else. Obviously the bears are going to have their bye week I believe right. after the London trip. So, uh, um, they're looking to get to their bye week at four and one.
1: Yeah. And it's going to be, you're basically wondering what form of the Raiders you're going to get. Uh, they've been very on, on different sides of the spectrum here so far early on. I really like their young running back, but offensively there are question marks and defensively certainly going to have to be adjustments without Vontez Perfect. Uh, you know, in the middle of that defense. I really liked what I saw from the Bears last week, though, Mike. I- I've always been a big Chase Daniel fan. I feel like he's a highly – for as much money as I think he's made in this league, I still feel like he's a highly underrated quarterback. He's never really had that true chance to be a starter. The two times that it was allegedly there, the stack was already kind of against him because, yeah. you know, Carson Wentz and different things of that nature. Sure. I- we'll see if what happens with Trubisky, but I-, I really do think if the Bears need to win some games here – Chase Daniels, the quarterback, to help them get that done. And, yeah, if you go in there and you get that win in London over Raiders and you go into your bye week, I think you're feeling pretty good about where you're at at 4-1 and, and four consecutive victories.
0: Yeah, real quickly, another one I want to ask you about because – Washington
1: bit- and New England? No. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: Because we talked all week about what the Saints did against the Dallas Cowboys and completely shutting them down. And in the NFC South now, the Saints will be hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who put up 55 points against the defending NFC champion LA Rams last week. Is Jameis Winston and Bruce Arians, is this this working? Is what we saw last week a sign of things to come? Or was it a one-off and the New Orleans Saints will just get down to business here at home in a division game?
1: It's a good question because I think Early on, I don't know. Last time I would have said this, but I, I honestly think New Orleans' defense is probably a step ahead of where Los Angeles is right now. Uh, they just they have more playmakers. They they don't break down as much, and
0: it's just so hard for me to believe that any defense with Aaron Donald would give up yeah, fifty five points. Right. Like I just don't. I just don't. now, honestly, granted, I think there was a defensive score in there, yeah. maybe even two. But even if you, I mean, that's still forty plus points. Um, against a Los Angeles Rams defense that was pretty darn good and helped get them to the Super Bowl last
1: year. Up front, I think they're still really solid. I just think there's big questions with that secondary right now and and who their go-to guys are going to be and who's going to step up. As far as Tampa Bay is concerned, I think Tom Moore is there too, right? Now I think like the 78-year-old quarterback guru that worked with Peyton Manning. I, I mean, think so. There's just so many resources that they've brought in. I thought we just – that was the first game where it's like, okay, this is the Bruce Aarons imprint on this team. It's a new day, so to speak. Yeah, that's what it now, felt like. the question is, as we've seen these moments from Jameis Winston, and there was – I mean, you go back to the hard knocks year. there was a lot of thought that this could be a playoff contending team. Can you do it consistently? Can you keep bringing it? In a lot of same ways, it's the same question that Marcus Mariota is going to have to answer in Tennessee after the fast start he's off to. Absolutely. This is a great litmus test, though, especially coming off of that performance that the the Saints had against um, Zeke Elliott and Dak Prescott.
0: Yeah, I think there's definitely some interesting games, some some key division, uh, a key division matchup there in the NFC. Really didn't
1: want to talk about New England and Washington, huh? Break down that X's and O's.
0: (sighs) Not really. Okay. All right. Not really
1: just leaving it out there.
0: Okay. We're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. A quick programming note, our producer Marvin will not be available to us on Monday. So our show wrapping up the Dallas game will not be taped until Tuesday. So we have to take a day off next week and we'll get things started with our series of shows next week on Tuesday, just so everybody is aware. But with that, you can still subscribe to us and like us on iTunes and other podcast services and find him on Twitter at West Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.